Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Splinters on a Tuesday night, live from the Triple H FM studios to start year two, episode number 53 of your friendly favourite sports podcast, courtesy of The Bench, live on Triple H FM 100.1 FM. Also streaming at www.triplehfm.com.au and at podcasts.com. Wherever you pick up your podcasts, that's Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, and all the bad places you can pick up podcasts as well from later tonight or early tomorrow morning for this edition where we look at the year in review in New South Wales Rugby League. Yes, we'll touch off a little bit of the NRL and we're certainly going to talk a lot of international stuff. Joining me, as he did at the start of the season, to preview these competitions, it's only fair that we bring him back to review these competitions. Triumphantly returning from Europe as overseer from the Australian end of the Greek qualification for the Rugby League World Cup 2021. He is the editor and proprietor of Australia's only independent Rugby League journal, Rugby League Review, which you can pick up at all your good news agencies and bad Greek ones too. Hello again to Splinters, to Terry Liberopoulos. Yeah, big hello to you, Tony, and to all the listeners. Indeed. Let's get stuck straight down to proceedings. We've got a lot to get through and not a lot of time to get through it in full detail as much as we'd like. Let's have a look at the season just completed. Finally, we can say that after the internationals that were completed last weekend, the last place in the Rugby League World Cup 2021 was decided in Florida when the Cook Islands secured that 16th spot by defeating the United States. Tomahawks 38 points to 16. And then the upset... In Port Moresby at the National Stadium, where Papua New Guinea belted Great Britain on merit, 28 points to 10. Let's go back to the NRL. We'll touch off on that briefly, briefly, considering that it's only five or six weeks since that grand final, which was won by the Sydney Roosters, making it back-to-back titles. The first team to win unified competitions back-to-back in over a quarter of a century in a controversial grand final win over the Canberra Raiders, the gallant Canberra Raiders. You're out there, Terry. What were your thoughts on the grand final and the season in general? Well, you know, well done to, you know, the Sydney Roosters. I mean, you know, the first team, you know, since 1993 to win, um, you know, back-to-back titles. Um, you know, the way the NRL is, um, it's a very open competition and to, you know, to win win it back to back is very very hard these days and um i just think that the roosters you know they could could do it they could do you know get three three in a row next year but um you know there's a lot of a lot of clubs um it's, it's been even the nrl has been an even competition for many many years now you know just you just don't know who's who's going to win every year there's always two three surprises um but you know they get into the top eight and there's always two three clubs that you know don't have a good year. Uh, you know, you look at the likes of Parramatta, Canberra. I mean, they were, you know, they were exciting, exciting sights to watch this year. Well, they were the great improvers, weren't they? Uh, they were, and, and and they were, like I said, they were great to watch. You can actually put put on TV and then go, yes, you know, I want to watch this game. You know, it was, uh, they were the entertainers, um, and I just hope they continue next year because, like I said, there's always one or two clubs that you know you think they're going to do well, and they just have 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 a. Sh- 
And two of those clubs and two of those clubs were Penrith and Newcastle. No doubt about that. A lot of people were tipping them to be there in the top four, be close to going to win the title. Philip Ronald Gould left Penrith with his five year plan very much up in the air due to disagreements with the board, and Nathan Brown didn't uh, uh, see out his contract at Newcastle. They were the two big disappointments to balance off against the great improvement that Parramatta and Canberra showed to make the eight and go into at least week two of the finals. Yeah, that, that's right. And I, uh, I'm i just talking about Penrith and Newcastle. I, I think they're going to struggle next year. No, that's just my opinion. Um, you know, they haven't really... Um, Bought any any players of no, you know Penrith have lost uh, Maloney as well, and I think that that is a big loss. And and you know they're saying that Cleary needs to step up, and I think since he got had knee injury, he just hasn't really uh, been the same player. Uh, Nathan Cleary, and we just will have to wait till next year how they go. Uh, but like I said, I, I, I think they they will miss the top eight. Um, those two sides. We can uh, go into more depth uh, in our preview show first up in 2020, but yes, certainly at this stage you have to have question marks on them. Canterbury-Bankstown I think might be improvers next year. They certainly showed some old-fashioned Canterbury-Bankstown spirit under Dean Pay at the back end of the season, and if any side are going to emerge from the bottom half of the table, it might be them, but Kieran Foran's long-term injury is a big X against them. It is, you know, that old banking on him being fit and, and carrying the side around and, he's, you know, he could be missing the whole season next year. Uh, look, there's not a lot of expectation for at the moment. They're still building. I think they're still two, three years away to being a, a force that we know they, they can be. Um, you know, there's not too much pressure on them, you know, um, because they've just still got the, the old cattle, which they're trying to get rid of and bring in uh, new players. What about the Melbourne Storm? They... Uh Made the preliminary final this year. There are question marks about some of their players. We're still not 100% certain whether Cameron Smith will come back for another season. Josh Adokar is probably going to come back as well. They've still got a lot of class along the park, but they still need perhaps C. Smith in there for one more year. Well, they definitely they definitely need him there for another year, but you know they always surprise us, uh, Melbourne Storm, since coming in the competition in 98. They've always been... Um you know, a very good team, and, uh, and you always think, well, Slater retired, and they've lost these players, but no, each year, you know, Craig Bellamy has got them firing up, and uh, they're always there uh, in the business end of the season. What about South Sydney? They also made a preliminary final, but with no Greg Inglis, no Sam Burgess, and more pressure on Adam Reynolds, and we don't know who else is going to come across, maybe their window is closing rapidly. Yes, you know, you, when you lose John Sutton as well, um, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, experience that they've lost. And, um, yeah, w- w- will they bounce back? You know, there, there are a few young players coming through, which I was, there was I enjoyed watching them the last season. And they did win the Jersey Flag Grand Final. They did, yes, they did. And that and that's, uh, goes well because they also, you know, they did well also in the in, um, in the Canterbury Cup as well. You know, they finished, look, they didn't make the Grand Final, but they did finish uh, in second spot, um, after the uh, the normal round. What about uh, Manly Warringah? The big news last week, they've signed the Trebojevic brothers to a long-term multi-million dollar package deal. Probably the best investment they'll ever make, particularly if they can get Tom on the field fit for most of the season. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, they're the quality players there and, and the Manly story through, which I, you know, I've, I've said time, time and time again that, you know, we need to reward a bit of loyalty with, with clubs, um, you know that's another, you know, that's another show for another time. 
but it's, it's going to be great for the main supporters too uh, to have these guys there uh, for the long term and just build around them. What about Canberra and Parramatta? Going back to them, a lot of expectation on them now. Canberra uh, will be expected to make top four minimum next year. Uh, they're going to get a lot more Friday night games, more premium matches on free-to-air television thanks to their grand final performance this season. And Parramatta, a lot will be dependent upon this Mike Acevo possible infection that he has to have more work on back in Fiji before he comes back for the off-season. A lot of pressure on both of those sides to take an extra step up. Well, it is, but they've, they've got the cattle to, to do well. Um, it's just it's just going to kind of come down to, you know, if they get any injuries, a bit of bad luck, um, you know, they should be, well, Canberra should be in the top four and Parramatta definitely in the top six. Um, like I said earlier, you know, there's always, you know, a couple of clubs there that just have a sh- shocking season. So, and I hope it's not going to be these two clubs. What about the Brisbane Broncos, speaking of shocking seasons? By their standards, the most inconsistent season in their uh, over 30 years of existence and the way they faded out, in that week one knockout preliminary quarterfinal semi-final against Parramatta at Parramatta Stadium was very disturbing. There have been some moves made already. The dogs are still barking that uh, a certain prop forward with a certain history is still going to be touted as possible captain. Yeah, look, excuse me, look, look Brisbane just yeah was the worst yeah, worst season since joining the competition in nineteen eighty eight. I can't see them improving at all. I, I, I see them struggling to make the top eight. And, I mean, the season, yeah, um, losing 58 to nil to Parramatta, that summed up this season. Uh, it's just one game. Um, look, I, I just don't think they, you know, I think they'll struggle. Matt Lodge, of course, is that prop we speak about. St. George Illawarra, Mary slash Paul McGregor is there as coach. He was signed very early to an extension. There's no Gareth Widdop anymore. There's more pressure on Corey Norman and more pressure on Ben Hunt, whose inconsistencies are still there for all the world to see. They were the most disappointing of disappointments last season from a red and white perspective. I don't know whether they can improve all that much. No, they can't. I mean, they finished 15. It was the worst position they finished since, um, you know, the, the merged uh, identity came into being in 1999. And they've lost. They've lost. Like you said, that's the... That was, he was the best player. He is the best player. They've lost him. They haven't really signed anyone uh, of, of note. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know how you can improve. Speaking of signings, the West Tigers very active in the marketplace. They are still, in most people's eyes, the favourites to get the wandering soul that is Latrell Mitchell. Plus, they've also uh, put themselves in the market for a few others out there with a bit of cash to spend. Is it going to be a season for them to step finally into the top eight? And can Michael Maguire control Latrell Mitchell if he comes to Leichhardt slash Campbelltown? Well, any time will tell. Um, look, they've, you know, Robbie Farrell's gone now, and now they've got, um, you know, if they get Latrell Mitchell, I think it'll be very exciting for the West Tigers. They've got a, a good fan base. Um, they've just got to, you know, just perform a little bit better and get into the top eight. They've seemed to, they've seemed to miss out on the... Um, the top eight. Um, I, I think there was a stat there for the last sixteen Tiger season. The club has finished ninth or tenth um, half of half of those seasons. They've so, been nearly there, uh, haven't they? Yeah, so they're, they're, they are the nearly side, but it's just not good enough, you know. And the fans want them, you know, to get into the playoffs. And uh, the New Zealand Warriors, the great enigma that they are on their day, absolute world beaters. 
didn't put it together for long enough. And now Isaac Luke's gone. It's hard to see where they come forward in 2020. Hey, that's right. I mean, they, look, they've still got Roger Tavares' check, and they've got a few other good players there, uh, like, you know, Cam Amalo, too. He's exciting. There's a few guys there they do have, but they've just got to be consistent, and that's what they're not. You know, they just, you know, they'll put in one or two good games, and then they'll go three, four games uh, without a win, and it's just very frustrating to be a Warriors fan. And the North Queensland Cowboys didn't make the eight, finished nearer bottom than top. They've still got Jason Taumalana, but they need a heck of a lot more than him. They've had a couple of their older players retire. It's interesting to see where they go. Michael Morgan, if he can come back to the form that he showed at the back end of 2017, they might be another smoky to come from the bottom half of the eight next year. Yeah, I just I can't see that happening. I mean, Matt's got to be tired as well. And since Thurston hasn't you know, finished a couple of seasons ago, he, uh, they just haven't had that you know, X factor. Um, uh, which was very evident when he was playing. So, uh, Cowboys, uh, I think they'll finish in the bottom four. And speaking of the bottom four, the side that did finish last, Gold Coast, Titans, are probably favourites, dare I say it, to make it back-to-back wooden spoons next year. Yes, um, yeah, we definitely will be favourites. But, uh, you know, they, they're coming with a, you know, with a new coach here, with Justin Holbrook. Look, they're expected to come last, so there's going to be not a lot of pressure. So, um you know, they, they've still got some good quality players and, and, I, and I, I don't mind them watching them. But uh, it's all going to go down to the new coach, how the players fit in. Um, well, Justin Holbrook has a great record in England, but as we've seen, yeah. great records in the Super League don't necessarily transfer to great records in the NRL. No, no, no that's, that's true. But they've, they've got players, you know, there's Jay Arrow, Jarrell Wallace, they have got some players there. Um, but, you know, they've, you know, they have, a few players have gone. Um, but like I said, they're expected to finish last, so there's not going to be as much pressure. So anything above that is going to be just a bonus. Well, the competition starts, the draw's already out, as we all know, for 2020, and it starts when Parramatta host Canterbury Bankstown on March the 12th, 2020, in the first Thursday night match for 2020. And that leads us into that weekend of uh, 14th and 15th of March, 2020 when we expect that the Canterbury Cup, Ron Massey Cup, Jersey Flag yep. and Sydney Shield competitions will commence. Uh, firstly, starting with the Canterbury Cup, a tremendous grand final, a tremendous second division national championship and the Newtown Jets pulled off a second fairy tale in eight years on the back of two freakish Billy Magulius plays. I know we're going to come to him in the second half of this uh, episode of Splinters, but in an even competition, I just did a bit of a review as to some of our early season tips, and we certainly didn't get Newtown versus Wentworthville in the grand final. No, I mean if you look at it, they finished uh, seventh and eighth in, in the competition, which just showed how 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 open the competition was. And I remember a few of the Newtown, you know, coaching staff saying that if the Newtown can sneak into the top eight, they're going to be hard to beat. And look, the season was okay um, during the year, but when the finals came, we we had some great games in there. And really lifted. It wasn't just the, the grand final. You had the one with Newtown 30 beating North Sydney 28 um, in the week two of the play. What a semi final that was. And then the preliminary final against St George Illawarra the following week was a beauty. That's right. And, you know, the Dragons kept coming back. And, um, you know, that was that was a great, uh, you know, final series. Um, and it was it finished with a with a grand final where, look, it looked like Wentworth was going to do it. And then all of a sudden, Billy McGurley puts that kick in. You know, great kick. 
Um, and he finishes with a great try to Kennedy. Although, Will Kennedy, there'll still always be question marks about whether he should have been allowed to stay on the field. The orange shirt trainer for the Newtown Jets probably deserves a fair whack of that Premiership winning bonus for the New South Wales Rugby League for managing to keep Will Kennedy on the field and beat the head concussion rules in the closing stages of regulation. We know that Wentworth Phil are not coming back. Uh, Parramatta are doing their own thing. They're going to come in as Parramatta in the Canterbury Cup in 2020. Wentworth Phil haven't been able to find a suitor, so they're going to go back and be the biggest fish in the Ron Massey Cup pond, which we're going to come to across both sectors of this episode of Splinters. But it will be the same 12 sides that will go around again next year. Yeah, that, that's right. It's a shame that Wentworth Phil are missing. I know, you know Parramatta's coming in, but Wentworth Phil's been there from... Um you know, day one when the New South Wales Cup was around, you know, there was a reform that changed in uh, in 2008. Um, and that was back... And they actually won it that first year as well. And that was when they did play Newtown. Um, so it is a bit of a shame. But, uh, look, we've still got some consistency. Uh, we have the, the 12 teams. You know, we haven't got teams coming and going. Uh, we have got the name change to Parramatta. Um, but I, I think, it's, you know, once again, it's just going to be another, another good competition. Like I said, it was the final series of great... Um, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, we've got to watch two games on TV. You know, Fox Sports and Channel Nine have both had it live, and we understand uh, that that is going to be the case again next year. And that's just good. You know, that's just you know great news for rugby league fans because you know when you, especially when you've got the likes of you know the traditional clubs there. You know, when you've got um, you know the likes of North Sydney, South Sydney. You know, your Canterbury, Penrith, Newtown, West. Uh, people want to watch those teams play. Absolutely. Um, we'll go into more detail in our preview episode in the new year, but we're not hearing too much, certainly not hearing as much as we're hearing from the Ron Massey Cup and the Sydney Shield perspective as to the comings and goings of players and clubs. But a lot is going to be dependent on NRL squads, as was the case in 2019. Well, <coughs> excuse me. Well, that's correct because you don't know. You know, they're, they're trying to get the NRL squad, then they're going to try and get the, the players that are part-time and then, you know, then the, the trialling of the players are going to be, um, you know, from the Jersey flag that's also going to go and play in the Ron Matthew Cup. So it's, it's just going to be, you know, uh, we just have to look at, you know, what players they've got. And, you know, Ron Matthew Cup, Sydney Shield, you know, we're not going to know anything for a while. Well, there's a little bit floating around, which I'm going to come to now. Firstly, when we go to the Ron Massey Cup, I'm hearing that Greg Eastwood, who didn't take a, a large part in the back half of the Newtown season, is apparently being courted by Nike Aaron Zamet, the uh, Glebe Burwood coach, to go around nearly full-time for Glebe Burwood in the Ron Massey Cup in 2020. Speaking of which, the big news there, of course, is that uh, two clubs have dropped out. And two new sides come in. We're going to discuss that in a little bit more length in the second half of this episode of Splinters. But when you look at the season just gone in the Ron Massey Cup, Wentworth Phil, the first team to make it a three-peat in a New South Wales Rugby League senior competition in over 20 years since Newtown won three Metropolitan Cups in a row, 95, 96, 97. It's a throwback to the days when Wenty dominated the second division in the 1960s and the 1970s. Yeah, uh, that's right, and I, and I just think they're going to continue to dominate uh, when we feel, especially now that they haven't got, um, you know, a team playing in the Canterbury Cup. I mean, are they going to be using some of their players to drop back and just play Ron Massey Cup? Are they going to still have uh, some kind of relationship with Parramatta, uh, maybe with the Jersey? I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work yet. Um, 
I will find out find out in the next few weeks. But um, um, the way it looks at the moment, it looks like we will we'll have a strong side, and uh, they're going to be the side to beat well, and, Bo- and make it four. Well, Bo- Bo- well, exactly. Well, Bo Henry is going to come back again. He was initially caught it, I can tell you, by Asquith, but those discussions quickly uh, uh, petered out when other options uh, almost dropped into uh, Pat Wiseman's lap, which we're going to come to in the second half of this uh, episode. Uh, but uh, Henry is going to come back. It's going to be as you were. They're going to have pretty much the core of the same side that have dominated and played those last three winning grand finals. If Henry stays on the field and fit, you are right, went with the last favourites to make it four competitions in succession, which hasn't been done since St George in 56 to 66. Now, or, or, or since Wentworthville in the second division also in that 1960s period. St Mary's made it back-to-back appearances in the grand final, yep. and, and they appear to have um, bulked up a little bit. Tim Grant is a name that I'm hearing that has signed up for St Mary's uh, alongside Antonio Pelasasa, which I understand is uh, coming across uh, from Asquith as well to bolster their forward pack. I'm also hearing that Tim Graham might be going down to down the coast as well. So, um, so there's a few a few um, teams after him. So we'll see what happens or which team he goes. But if he does end up at St Mary's, that's going to be a big signing for him. Well, Pelasas is going to be a big signing uh, in himself. A representative prop forward and was uh, a mainstay of that Asquith pack this season. Yeah, he was. And um, I mean, he's he still in the experience they're going to have St Mary's and also with the link with Penworth. Be, um, be sure to give Wentworth to a run for the money. Absolutely. So what we're hearing at this stage, uh, coming to clubs dropping in and clubs, well, dropping out, basically we're hearing that Penrith Brothers and Western Suburbs have withdrawn from the Ron Massey Cup in 2020. Western Suburbs made a public announcement for that in the week after the grand, the NRL Grand Final. Uh, there are some conspiracy theorists out out there that say that the dollars that Western Suburbs Ashfield, who are the bankrolls of all of bankrollers of all of the Wests and now Balmain Junior Leagues, are going to pour some money into the Balmain Harold Matson SG Ball sides that they're saving from not putting a Western Suburbs team in the uh, Ron Massey Cup. That will be uh, proven, I suppose. Uh, but also Penrith Brothers deciding to ease back and concentrate on Sydney Shield, perhaps biting off more than they could possibly have chewed in the two seasons they are in the Massey Cup. I think it's a good decision by Penrith Brothers. You know, they were, they were, they've struggled in the Ryan Massey Cup. Um, better better for them to go and finish shield, uh, concentrate, you know, put all the players in there and at least be competitive. There's no, no point going to the Ryan Massey Cup and finishing last. Getting back to St Mary's, the other uh, rumour mills have you believe that uh, possibly Jared Brackenhofer has signed for them from St Mary's? Uh, Arthur Crichton and Joe Dokken Navalu uh, has also a signing for St Mary's. Now, if they all go across and Tim Grant, well, they're going to be another strong side again next year. What about uh, the, the Hills District Bulls um, who made the uh, charge from the bottom half of the table last midway through the season to make week two of the finals? It coincided with players coming in and also Harry Saker leaving the club. Well, that's right. I mean, they had they you know they had a lot of expectation with with Harry Shaker, uh, but he left. He went um, uh, here in Queensland for for work, um, and they they were just having a shocking season. Um, they just weren't performing at all. Um, the you know, there was it looks like there was issues, and it happens when you know when you're not winning, or, or you know you get more problems. But they managed to you know win 
three games and have a, a, a bye in the last four games to sneak into the, the top eight. And then, lo and behold, they, they thrashed Guildford uh, in that first week of the players, which was very surprising. Then they beat uh, a very competitive Asquith. It was uh, a cracking semi-final on that Saturday night at Leichhardt before they yeah. found the preliminary final a week too far. Heath Lestrange has definitely said he's retired, but I believe that if he goes through a full season next year without getting a call-up. Yeah, that's right. You, do. you always get the call-up, so, um, yeah, I'll probably expect him to be back again this season. By June 30. Um, one of the teams coming in and returning from a time in the wilderness are the Windsor Wolves, and it's great to see a, a club that has traditional history coming back into uh, both the Ron Massey and Sydney Shield. The mail is, is that Jake Foster, ex-Penrith, will be the Ron Massey Cup captain coach, and Tim Brown will be the skills and development coach for this Windsor squad of both Massey and Shield players next year. It is. It's great to see him back. You know, it was a shame that they, they left in the first place, but they did have some financial issues. Um, you know, they've sorted that out. looks like they've sorted it out, and they're back. And I think, you know, they'll be concentrating on a lot of the local juniors. And, um, look, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of history, like you said, a lot of rugby league out that way. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that... I'm definitely glad that they're back. Finally, before we take the break and we discuss the developments internationally from the Ron Massey Cup and onwards in the second uh, part of this episode of Splinters, uh, Cabramatta uh, have parted company with Chris Yates in the mail. Is that Cranky Frankie, uh, Frank Pritchard, has taken up the coaching cudgels and will be the Cabramatta coach in 2020? Yeah, look, um, I, I get along with Chris Yates, so, um, you know... Um and that was a shame that he left. But you know, Cabramatta, they just they didn't have the best season. That they're a, they're a big club. You know, they're a club that should be challenging for you know the premiership. For the premiership, but um, well, they did, uh, at least they made the finals again, and they made uh, the first week of the playoffs at least. Yeah, they did. They they, they beat they, you know they snuck home against West, uh, but then they were you know thrashed by Mountain the following week, which yeah, that's very realistic. They were they definitely were you know you know a good side this year and. Um, and for a club with a lot of history and, you know, a lot of success, uh, it was disappointing. Well, the mail was originally that Ben Roberts, former New Zealand international, former Canterbury and however many other clubs star, was going to play for Cabramatta, but the mail is he's following Chris Yates to the Norellan Jets in the Group 6 competition. Finally, look, your thoughts on the uh, Asquith Magpies. The middle of the season looked to be the threat to Wentworthville for the title, particularly after... Uh, they beat St Mary's at Story Park mid-season, but their form tapered right away. Uh, they only won one and drew one of their last nine games to stumble into the playoffs and then drop out in straight sets. Uh, they certainly were, for mine, a team that peaked too early. They definitely peaked too early, but, you know, they're, they're a club that wants success. Um, and Pat Pat's doing a good job trying to get uh, a lot of players to the club, and, I, you know, I'm hearing that they've, um, they've picked up uh, Tristan Evan Toy, which is um, scored uh, heaps of tries. Twenty nine uh, of them. Twenty of last season. You know they got you know Jerry T. There's a there's a lot of guys there that they picked up and and they've re-signed as well. Um, and I think they're going to be yeah, definitely be a force next year. All right, we'll leave it at that point. We've reached half time in this episode of Splinters Rugby League 2019 in review. We'll take a break and come back with the second half, including a lot of the international stuff, right after this on Splinters. 
2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season has concluded with your All About Caring Sydney Bears winning it all. That doesn't mean it's all over for the year on the hockey front. Log on to bearsshop.com.au for all your Bears merchandise options. And stay tuned to Splinters and The Bench for updates coming out of the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League and the world's top competition, the National Hockey League. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM. Also on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and via podcast at podcasts.com. Wherever you pick up your podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, and all the bad places you can pick up your podcasts as well. This is the 2019 Rugby League Year in Review with a bit of a preview towards 2020. A great way to wrap up the season of the game, the greatest game of all. With me on the line is the editor and a proprietor of Australia's only independent Rugby League journal, Rugby League Review. You can pick that up at all good news agencies, some bad Greek ones as well. And also you can subscribe online at www.rugbyleaguereviewoneword.com. All right, Terry, let's get back through uh, into the Ron Massey Cup. We discussed Asquith in some detail before we took the break. Now let's uh, continue that discussion, some of the players that they have signed. You mentioned Christian Evans-Soy, 29 tries for the season uh, for the victorious uh, Premiers and the Sydney Shield right eastward. I'm also hearing that Manaya Rudolph has also followed Pat Wisner to Story Park and if he can find his form from 2017, which saw him single-handedly take the Auburn Warriors to the grand final of the Massey Cup, his combination with Evan Soy around the halves could be the X factor that Asquith are looking for. Yeah, that's correct. Um, like you know, look, they did they did did pretty good last year. They just um, sort of died out um, uh, towards the back end of the season. But I think some of these new signings they've got that you just mentioned there, I think that's going to be the expected that they've been missing for the last few years. Others apparently signed include Ray Lasoa, Jesse Martin, uh, Jordan Main, Jacob Giles and Ipa uh, Navali. Now, Navali's a quality winger who's uh, come across from uh, via Wentworthville and via Mounties as well. So, um, all great finishes out wide, but if they can get Evan Soy and Rudolph together in the halves, knowing that Evan Soy can pinch hit at number nine out of dummy half as well. That would be something else again for Asquith. The question, though, is all great on paper, but it does take time to gel, and you can bet your life that the North Sydney Bears will get their eyes and hands on some of those Asquith players uh, going forward. Speaking of Mounties, they're perennial finalists in this competition, but they haven't been quite there in the last couple of years since their tilt at a three-peat went sour in 2017. But you'd expect them, under Jared Farlow, to be there and thereabouts again, even though they may have an ageing side. Yeah, look, I mean, before when we won three competitions, um, Mounties won won two in a row. And, look, they finished third last year, uh, went down to eventual, you know, grand finalists. Um, when we thought twenty two twelve in the preliminary final. That was a so, tremendous preliminary final at Cogra. One of the uh, probably one of the best games of the Massey Cup final series, alongside the Hills District Ask with the semi final. 
So it, it's not like they, they they had a had a bad season. You know, they they went very close. They're, they're always there. They've got they've always got the players. They had some good finishes in, in Roman Aulu. Uh, that um, <laughs> Roman Aulu, yes. Yep, and Eddie Oano too on the wing. So they 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 had you know they had they've always had good players. Um, and they'll be there uh, again next year. All right, then let's quickly go through the rest of the Massey Cup teams that are coming back. We know that Brothers and Western Suburbs won't be. Before we come to the big news that was announced only a couple of weeks ago now about a new international entrant into the Ron Massey Cup next year. Uh, firstly, Guildford, great disappointments. Once again, so close to the top four fell short on the final weekend of the season and then got bundled out in week one unceremoniously. Uh, Paul Fletcher, yes, they may have won the New South Wales Challenge Cup and avenging the loss uh, to Dubbo Sims, but that didn't count for a lot in September. No, it, no, she didn't. And then Guildford, um, you know, they, they haven't had success for, for a long time. They haven't won a Ron Massey Cup. Uh, you know, they are a big club um, and they finished, you know, didn't make the top four. Uh, they, they're very... Inconsistency is probably the, the best word to describe Guildford. You know they've got they have got some good players, got a good coach, uh, but just the consistency is just not there. Indeed. What about uh, Glebe Burwood Wolves? We all know how heartbreakingly close they came to the grand final in 2018. To me, they look like a side that was still recovering this season. They were, and they had so many injuries. It wasn't funny this year. You know they have players. You know one. One that started out on the wing ended up playing prop, uh, and a lot of players came and went, and it just wasn't. And when that happened, and you got all injuries on a happy camp, and you know it showed there they just finished just ahead of Penrith Brothers. Indeed, and uh, then we look at Blacktown Workers Seagulls, who were in the eighth spot, but fell away. They lost in the last round and didn't quite make the playoffs. Uh, their relationship with Manly Warringah is going to continue for another three seasons, starting next season. So at least they have some sort of stability and security, knowing that there is still the pathway up into Canterbury Cup and then to NRL first grade to work with. Yeah, just look, it's a shame with Blackdown workers. You know, they've got you know they've got some good players there, and I, I expect them to be you know do much better than what they did last year. Indeed, and then we come to the big announcement. Uh, that pretty much has been a long time coming. We've been waiting for years and years and years. We've been promised that there was going to be a Fijian presence in the Canterbury Cup for the last five to six years, but eventually it was confirmed at the uh, Prime Minister's Eleven match that was played in Fiji uh, the week after the grand final that the uh, Silk Tails, as they're going to be known, the Fiji Silk Tails, will be yeah. coming in to the Ron Massey Cup in 2020 for the first Fijian appearance in a New South Wales rugby league competition. And I think everyone is excited, particularly given that uh, thanks to, dare I say it, Australian taxpayer dollars through the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade that are going to be footing the bill for the next four years, uh, there will be genuine home games in Nadi and genuine away games, 10 at home and 10 away, for the 20 rounds that the Silk Tails will be playing and making their debut in the Ron Massey Cup next year. Yeah, and, um, and they will be known as the Kaviti Silk Tails, as you said. Um, Kaviti meaning someone that's from Fiji, and the Silk Tail is a, a burden native to the country. People have asked me why have they got that name. That's, that's why they've used that name. Um, 
So I hope that they, they can put PG in front of there, um, just for, you know, a promotion, for promotion uh, things. But, look, the most important thing with the Silk Tales is, um, I'll go back to when the WA Reds came in, probably going back, what, 10 years, 12 years ago? Correct. Um, and they came in, and then their, their aim was to, you know, play in the Romantic Cup, and then go, in, go into the, what was then called the New South Wales Cup. And this is what PG's trying to do. Play in the Romantic Cup, and then go into the Canterbury Cup. And well, the, well, the one thing that the Silk Tales have in their disposal, as I mentioned, is Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade are going to be footing the bill for the four years. The Western Reds, when they tried to enter, they had to foot the bill themselves with very little help from outside. Yeah, but I just uh, hope that after four years, that you know, that I'm not, you know, with all this hard work, it comes to nothing. So it's just very important that um, you know this is a success. You know, they get a lot of sponsors, they get a lot of. Um, um, you know, the government between Australia and Fiji behind them to make sure that, you know, this, this is a long-term plan. What about uh, players? We understand that we haven't heard anything about big Fijian names returning home apart from possibly Petro Sivanasiva in an off-field role. And that they're going to be drawing very much on this pool of local talent which has given the game the likes of Sammy Radradra uh, and Mike Asivo, just to name a couple. Well, that's what they're saying. They're saying it's just going to go local players, which is not a bad idea, especially in the Ron Master Cup, uh, which they probably be, be more competitive because the Canterbury Cup, they would definitely have to um, try and get some more players in there, and that comes back to like, another cost factor. Um, so I think it's good. It's good for the development. Um, they do have some good players there, um, and, and I'm sure they're going to unearth uh, quite a few talent there. You know, when you look at, like, the Sivo and the likes there, the players are natu- uh, naturally ready to play like the league, and uh, that's probably going to be the most exciting thing about um, having um, PG inside in the Royal Magic Cup. The thing, though, is that they're going to be under pressure to perform. They're going to be under, profe- under pressure to not hold up the uh, end of the table in their first season. Certainly, travelling to Fiji is going to be a challenge for any side that travels there, particularly in the first few weeks when there's going to be a lot of excitement and hype uh, on the ground. Uh, amongst the locals, that they're going to need some results to not only keep the locals involved, but also attract the attention of some wealthy sponsors. Yeah, that's that's, that's right. Because um, look, it's gonna it depends, especially when where, when they're going to play. Because look, from Sydney to Nandy, it, it's not a it's not a huge flight. I think it's what four hours uh, from Sydney to four and a half, I believe. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's not a huge amount of time. It's not enough to. To get the jet lag, and you know what I mean. But it depends when they're going to play because you know the Romantic Cup is a semi-professional competition. There's a lot of players there that well, most of them are, are working. So um, are they going to be playing on the Saturday night? When do they leave? Do they leave on the Friday? It's the same thing when they go to Canterbury Cup when you go to New Zealand. Uh, you know, with the, the Canterbury Cup, there's players there that are semi-professional. There's others that are professional. Um, but Romantic Cup, every player. Uh, is working, so um, how's that going to work in regards to when, when do they leave? Uh, exactly. Well, we know now that the uh, New Zealand Warriors have to play their Sunday afternoon games away from home in a lunchtime time slot so they can get the flight back to Auckland that Sunday night, and that's going to be even more exacerbated for these Fijian players who, if, when they come to Sydney to play matches on whatever, a Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, or dare I say it, uh, Sunday afternoon, so the times that they play are going to be uh, interesting, to, to say the least. 
Although I think we all are looking forward, some of us at least anyway, to maybe a trip to Fiji to cover a game or two during the season of 2020. Well, I hope, I hope you're, you're there. Poor uh, one the games. Um, I actually mentioned that to my wife the other day. She said, um, Fiji's coming in. I said that'll be a good break to go in and cover the game and also have a little holiday on the side. So. <laughs> well, look, um, the powers that be in this place may look uh, not too well on that, but time will tell there. But it's great to see them in the competition. Let's have a look at the Sydney Shield before we uh, touch on the international game in the uh, last few minutes of the program. And the Ride Eastwood Hawks, the mail was that they were thinking about putting aside in both the Shield and Ron Massey Cup next year with a view to uh, perhaps be a, a feeder into the West Tigers system. The last I'm hearing is that they are going to stay in the Sydney Shield for the time being for next year and consolidate, particularly now that they've lost Evan Soy to Asquith. Yeah, look, I think it would be, would be a great idea uh, for them to play the one Massive Carpet. You know, they've got a, a very uh, powerful brand that they, you know, especially go back to the 60s and 70s in the old um, second division. And uh, and not only did they come back last year, they, just, they, they went all the way and won the grand final. It was a surprise, but they certainly played an entertaining and exciting brand of football, as did the runners-up Cabramatta. And checking back over our previews, we certainly didn't have Ride Eastwood and Cabramatta playing off in the grand final. Now, in Cabramatta, I mean, we'll say they, they won the first... Um, what, 15 games. 15 games of the year. They look unbeatable, and then they sort of hit the wall a bit, you know, especially when they, they were, they were outclassed by Moorbank, and then people started talking, saying, well, you know, what's going on here? But in the end, they recovered and they ended up making the grand final, although it was a young side. There were two young sides, very much out of under-20s and out of local A grade, that uh, played in that Sydney Shield grand final last year. And maybe just getting to the grand final was a bridge too far for Cabramatta, remembering that they had to back up every week. They had two extra time games in the lead-up to that grand final and they just ran out of puff in the decider. Yeah, they did, but it was a shame because they, they were they were the best side all year. But um, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't mean that um, you know if you finish first in the you win the minor premiership, you're going to go 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 on and win the grand final. And right, right Eastwood, they showed they came from fourth fourth place. Um, they hit form at the right time. Uh, look, they, they scraped home. I guess uh, Cabramatta in the first week, um, but they, you know they had the, they had a week off, uh, and then they beat the Marys who who were one of the form sides in the competition. Indeed. Um, St Mary's, you'd expect there to be there and thereabouts. They uh, were beaten by the eventual Premiers uh, in that uh, preliminary final. And you'd expect them with their depth to be there and thereabouts again next year. Yeah, well, St Mary's, you know, um, they're a great club. They won the competition in 2017, of course. Yeah, and look, they'll be there. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll be there. If they're not in the grand final, they'll definitely be you know, back in the top four. What about East Campbelltown? If we go by their form, they win in every odd year. They've won in 2014, 2016 and 2018. The Bailers is that they've uh, now in preliminary discussions with Mounties to form some sort of partnership with them and feeder arrangement with them for 2020. But they certainly looked an ageing side at the back end of the finals campaign. Uh, Aiden is probably the correct word because, you know, they've had a lot of players there that have been there for a long time. You know, it's good in one way because, you know, they know each other. But, you know, you can only play for so long. And, um, I look, East Campbell, you know, finished third. It was just, um, you know, they were just one win away from the grand final. And 
they'll be there. They're, they're always there. It's a shame they've got to go with Mountains because it would have been good if they even Ride Eastwood uh, play in the Romantic Cup. At least they, they have a link with at least Ride Eastwood and then um, with Dublin. But, yeah, it's a shame that they've got to go with Mountains. But, uh, you know, that's rugby league. Indeed. All right, then. Asquith um, finished eighth, scraped into the finals in the Sydney Shield. They were promising so much. They were thinking. They were saying, "Okay, our players are going to come back. They will come back. They will be there." And they won the first final in week one handsomely over the disappointing Guildford, and were so close to Cabramatta in that uh, extra time classic in the semi-finals. They will need their more consistency and hopefully more players staying in that shield side, uh, so that they can finish higher on the ladder next year. Well, yeah, you said it there. Whether they need more. They need to play, stay there because they used so many plays last year in the Sydney Shield. They were it was just, over thirty-two, I understand. You know, they were so they used so many. They didn't have the consistency, and it, it showed. You know, it showed they they scraped in the eight. The only reason they scraped in the eight is because the other four sides they missed out were shocking. Um, you know, they just you know they worked them too well. So Asquith, you know, scraped into the eight, and like you said, look, they they did well and almost got into the preliminary final. But um, yeah, look. A lot of the, the emphasis is on the Ron Master Cup with Asquith, uh, and they just got to have consistency. That's that's the key to to every club, you know. If you're going to have, uh, you're going to be using so many players, you know, they only, and players are only coming for one or two games, um, makes it hard. What about Moorbank? They started the season very slowly and had that tremendous run of home games where they were racking up cricket scores on good sides in the middle of the season, and fell just short in a cracking semi-final to St Mary's. Perhaps if they started the season a little better, they might not have been under pressure at the back end. Oh, that's, yeah, exactly right. Um, look, they finished sixth, um, but they, they hit form at the right time, but they're just still short. I mean, they just lost like two points to St Mary's in that, in that semi-final. Uh, a wonderful game. Uh, for me, they were the dark horse for Moorbank. Yeah, once they got the Moorbank and right Eastwood mod, I'd go all the way and uh, play in the grand final. What about Guildford again? The other great disappointment also from a Sydney Shield perspective as well. Uh, they barely gave a yelp in that uh, elimination final against Asquith in week one after they also finished fifth. And they just seem to be um, you know, floating around that fifth, sixth spot. They just, you know, instead of making that top four, they just seem to be missing out on that, you know, that all important top four position. Um, and again, it, it showed uh, throughout that. I mean... Um, Consistency has been another problem for um, for Guildford and um, not only for uh, Sydney Shield but Ron Matthew Cup. So um, I don't know what they need to do there, but um, you know, for a club that you know um, that's you know pretty big, uh, you know, they need to be aiming at the top four finish. And then the other four clubs, as you mentioned, well, they didn't have uh, great seasons. Um, Hills District Bulls won their first three games, and that was about it for them. Uh, Penrith Brothers pretty much held up the cellar uh, and uh, that was pretty much it for the bottom four, wasn't it? That's it. I mean, Sydney Uni started well too, but they just, you know, they they all apart um, after the first few rounds. They but that was they, because they had a, a lack of numbers and they'll improve on what they did, the students, in the first year. They didn't get a lot of support or they didn't get as much support as they expected from the Sydney University uh, Student Union and the Sports Union. They'll need to do that uh, and get that support if they're going to improve next year because at their best, when they put their top 17 out there, they were competitive. Well, they also had uh, a lot of players went up to, to help out Glee Burwood because Glee Burwood had a lot of injuries. So, 
uh, but lost a lot of players there. Finally, Belrose. The questions are still out on them as to whether they will come back. They are still having discussions and detailed discussions at that. Um, it was the worst season in that proud club's Sydney Shield history by far. No doubt about that. Um, the lack of uh, quality players and the lack of depth in the Manly Junior League borne out by the fact that uh, the Manly A grade didn't, uh, wasn't played for for the first time in over 75 years came uh, back to bite them on the backside and they are going to have to do some serious soul-searching if they're going to come back in 2020. And it didn't help when they just didn't have a feeder relationship as well um, uh, in 2019. So they just didn't have anyone to come back and, and help them out. And um, they really did struggle. I mean, our brothers and Belrose, I think that last um, a few weeks ago was a battle of the wooden spoon and they drew. Uh, and that summed up both of their seasons, didn't it? It, it did, because uh, I think it was a fair result. And I, I just don't know what Bill is going to do. Are they going to, will they come back or what, what you know? Or they, or they go back to A grade, who knows what will happen there. We're also hearing that, officially, Windsor Wolves will come back uh, into the Sydney Shield next year as well. And we're hearing that possibly Blacktown workers who pulled out of the Sydney Shield under a misapprehension last season that the Shield was not going to be played may also come back. So there's still a question mark on whether there'll be 12, 13 or 14 sides in the Sydney Shield in 2020. What we do know is that those competitions will start on the weekend of March 14 and 15. Finally, and this is something that we can touch on in the closing stages of this year in review, the international year in review, well, uh, was uh, dominated by a back-end performance by Tonga defeating Australia, a win that saw Australia lose their number one ranking at the top of the International Rugby League rankings to New Zealand who won their two tests against Great Britain. The Great Britain tour, the revival of the Great Britain concept was uh, pretty much a spectacular failure, having only won one of their four test matches. And then we look across to the other side of the world and Rugby League World Cup qualifiers. The last five spots were decided and they were taken by Ireland and Italy in Group A, Scotland and Greece in Group B, and the Cook Islands, who won the inter Intercontinental Playoff over the United States, to give us our 16 teams for 2021, alongside the eight quarter-finalists from 2017, Australia, England, Fiji, Tonga, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, Samoa and Lebanon, and the three sides that qualified last year, France, Wales and Jamaica, who, as it turned out, pipped United States of America, the Tomahawks, for that North America's spot. We only have a few minutes left, but you must still be very proud about the attention that the GRLA, as it's correctly called, the Great Rugby League Association team that is recognised by the International Rugby League as the head body for the game in Greece, their side that qualified for the World Cup. I'm oh, very, very proud. I mean, we've been trying to do this for 17 years, you know, and our aim was to get into the World Cup, get some recognition. You know, a lot, a lot of hard work, you know, didn't happen overnight. Um, you know, we had, we've been very lucky too because we, we played uh, Ukraine last year and uh, we only won by two points, you know, 28-26. We had uh, four Heritage plays, 13 Greeks, and um, uh, we it was 28-26 with 11 minutes to go and I, I don't know how we held on to win that one, uh, but it was uh, you know incredible win. And then um, to go to this final stage, you know, look, they lost to, Greece lost to Scotland 42-24. But and that was a, a competitive contest. It was 24 or 15 minutes together, some silly mistakes we made. And, um, 
look, we could have won that game. Uh, but it all came down to the game against uh, Serbia. And, um, you know, Serbia did score after, from the kickoff, you know, um, they kicked off into the wind and the ball just held up, bounced straight into James Masurki. And he ran over to score behind the post even before any, any of the Greek players realised what, what had happened. Uh, but that, that's the, as good as they got for Serbia, the six points. Uh, you know, Greece finished with 82 points. Um, again, we knew by half time that, uh, we were going to the World Cup. And I think it's, it's great for the, the, the work, um, all the people in Greece, you know, the, the, that, what they have to go through. Uh, and hopefully, you know, this kind of recognition, uh, can make things just a little bit easier. Well, that recognition will come or has to come from the Greek government at the end of the day. How much pressure is now going to be applied by the International Rugby League, the European Rugby League Federation and yourselves from a long way from home on the Greek government to recognise the GRLA as distinct from the uh, Greek uh, modern pentathlon, the GMP, which is supposedly the governing body of the, uh, the game in Greece according to the Greek government? Yeah, well, look, um, I spoke to our, when I was in Greece, spoke to our lawyer, um, certainly we've got to do, uh, but what we've got to, um, going for us is, you know, we are the ones playing rugby league, uh, playing rugby league in Greece, we are the ones recognised by the European Federation, we're the ones recognised by the, the National Federation. That's the GRLA, that is. Yeah, we are the ones playing in internationals. Uh, the other group... The GMP... Well, you know, there's other other words, or other other words I can use, but I, I won't. Um, this is a family program. Yeah, it is a family program. There's, there's no competition. They've got no teams. Like last year, they had there were three there were three clubs last year <coughs> in the other in the other competition. Um, well, it really wasn't it wasn't even three. It was probably about uh, two and a half. Uh, and they didn't play any third side games last year. And uh, one of those sides has come across to the GRLA. That's right. Well, one one of the sides has, has uh, defended. They're not they're not playing at all. Uh, their coach actually is coaching Athens City Raiders, which is one of our team teams, and he's brought across about four or five players. And the other club that had players, Ake Athens, uh, which is a famous soccer club, they've come across. So um, the others have got no no competition. They've got nothing. So it is a legal thing. We're just going to take some time. Um, we'll get there in the end. Well, let's hope you do because it's garnered a fair bit of interest, uh, a surprising bit of interest since they qualified the week before last. That's just about it. We've run out of time. It's full time on this edition of Splinters. Thank you so much for your time, Terry Liberopoulos. There is a special Christmas edition of Rugby League Review coming out in the next few weeks. So go to the website, www.rugbyleaguereview.com. That's rugbyleaguereview, one word, dot com for more details and it should be appearing in news agents sometime in December. The good ones and the bad Greek ones as well. Yeah, that, that's right. Uh, thanks for the kind words, uh, Tony, and uh, thanks for having me on the program. Have a good Christmas. You'll have two of them, the Orthodox one and the other one as well, and we'll catch up with you in the new year. Yeah, will do. That takes us out for another edition of Splinters. The first episode of Year 2 will be back next Tuesday night at 8 o'clock on Triple H at www.triplehfm.com.au and again at podcasts.com. Until then, this is Tony Dose and the Sultan saying goodbye from this edition of Splinters.